Welcome to Hip Hop Movie Club, where three old heads put their old heads together to vibe on some of the most memorable or forgettable hip hop themed movies of all time. And here's HHMC with your HHMCs, Boogie, JB, and Dino Wright. Season 3, Episode 2, Do the Right Thing, Part 2. We had a lot to talk about in Part 1, so if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen now wherever you got this episode. We'll wait. When we left off, we were debating some key questions that Spike Lee's classic 1989 film raised. Final debate type question. This might seem a little outlandish, but do you think there's any possibility that Mookie could continue any former relationship with Sal after all the events that occurred? And you saw how it ended. He came back for his money. Mookie came back for his money. He said, you owe me his money. How much are you? 250 Sal crumbles up the $100 bills, throws it at him nastily, shouting, oh, he's rich now, and cursing left and right. Uh, you know, they have an exchange there. Do you think they could have any type of relationship after what happened? What do you think? That's a tough one. Yeah. Because <laughs> initially, uh, off, off the top of my head, I'm like, no, it's, it's a done deal. <laughs> There's no going back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that they could, even if Mookie went back to even apologize. Like, Sal is very rigid. Like he's old school rigid and like he's like the type of person that will hold a grudge you know i i don't think that even if mookie apologized i don't think sal would get over it and even if he tried you know you got the son <laughs> pino that would kind of just egg it to the point where you know even if sal even tried to consider it it wouldn't it wouldn't happen i don't, I don't think I, I think it's it's done <laughs> yeah what do you think, Donna Wright? I was frankly surprised they even talked to each other at the end of the movie. Right. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I thought, you know, most people think the movie would have ended with the riot, but I forget who, who wrote this in a, in a review. But the thing that Spike Lee does is to actually go through the rest of it and, like, doesn't just leave it there because there is the next day. <laughs> but I, I just don't think Mookie would stand for it. I don't think Sal would take him back either. Yeah, uh, I think it's just too tragic and time for Mookie to move on and, and get a new job. Maybe if Sal uh, gets some money from insurance, as he implied, or maybe he's set to retire. He's getting up there in age, move off in the sunset, move back to his neighborhood and start something over there. I think they were from Bensonhurst. Yeah, I, I don't think so. You never know. Maybe you fast forward down the years, maybe Sal's... Maybe Sal becomes ill in his final days. Maybe he reaches out to Mookie or Mookie is like shows up for his funeral or something like that. You know, I could see something like that, but I don't think they'd have any type of relationship. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, they worked together for over two years, but again, it's hostile environment. It's not, yeah. you know, it was kind of like a, it was a sort of a father-son relationship. Super dysfunctional though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Super dysfunctional. <laughs> Other things that I want to point out, like, did you know 
there's a lot of like fun trivia here. Did you guys know that the movie was originally called Heat Wave? Yeah. <laughs> it was called Heat Wave. Yeah. And the, the, the character of Smiley was not originally in the script. Was it Roger Gwenver? Roger, Roger G. Smith. Yeah. Roger Smith, right? So I was watching, and they were like, he would just show up at the set like every day, <laughs> and he's talk. He was he was kind of like saying, I telling Spike, I want to be this character. This character, he starts playing the role, and he convinced him, and he was the integral part. I mean, he's the one that, for those listening, he was the one with a you know disability, and he was stuttering a lot, selling pictures of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. for a couple bucks. He kept bugging people to buy it. He got involved in the in the scene, uh, the, the the fight scene and, and the riot. He's the one that literally set the pizzeria on fire. He lit the match, yeah. and then he ends up posting up the picture on the wall. So it kind of all came full circle. But it was interesting that he was not originally in the script, and he became an integral part of the the movie. Yeah. Now I also like that Spike Lee's actual sister Rizwali plays Jade. So that's his actual sister. And you could you can see the resemblance. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. Joy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she's playing a, she's had appearances in a few of his films. Yeah. And even more of family affair, Spike's father, Bill Lee, did the music, uh, like the the score nice. for, for the movie. Yeah. And then you see a little like we talk about different actors. I mean it's crazy that Samuel L. Jackson was just Sam Jackson at the time. And one of the earlier films, the DJ, he did a great job. And uh, Richard Edson, who plays Vito, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, where do I know him from? He's been at a ton of stuff. He was in Platoon. He was in Good Morning Vietnam, the Starsky and Hutch movie remake. But what was funny to me is, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he was the crazy valet driver from Ferris Bueller's Day Off that took the, Cameron's dad's car for a joyride. I'm like, that's him. Yes. That you know? cut scene in that movie where they see the, the car like flying in the air Star still Wars makes me scene. laugh. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> classic, classic scene right there. Yes. And I dug more into Richard Edson. Don, did you know he was the original drummer for Sonic Youth? I didn't know that. He was the original drummer Whoa. for the band Sonic Youth, and wow. he was very musically inclined. He's done a lot, a lot in the uh, in the music industry as well as as much as I listen to those records, I didn't even know it was him. Wow, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I don't know at what point. Maybe, I don't know if he was there before they, you know, went a little bit commercial or not. But he he original drummer. How about that, yeah. You guys have any other tidbits uh, that you guys came across? Yeah. So this is the first movie that we reviewed so far that I can tell that is on the National Film Registry. So very important. Somehow, Breaking Two was not on the National Film Registry. <laughs> Just <laughs> missed. <laughs> missed it by that much. It's an outrageous omission. <laughs> meant to look into why there was at least two Keith Sweat references. <laughs> Maybe it's just the sweating part of it. Maybe that's because uh. there was a poster of Keith Sweat in the radio station and then um <laughs> maybe it was the corner men talking about keith sweat or someone was talking about keith sweat in this movie and i thought huh must have been about the heat <laughs> those uh the corner guys man just not to, not to go off topic but the corner guys i just think about that i think just make me laugh right now i'm like thinking about how many family cookouts that i've been to and i've seen <laughs> my, my 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 father's cousins 
have similar debates <laughs> in the corn, in the cookout. And I'm like, wow, it was it's, it's so so reminiscent of like some of the same conversations that I've heard. And I'm like, those guys used to have me cracking up. <laughs> hey, go grab go grab me a cold one real quick. <laughs> Send me over there to go to the cooler and come back with a cold one. They finish talking. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Yeah. You yeah. What I also saw is in one of these extra scenes, there's the one scene where Bugging Out gets his Air Jordans run over by the the, the biker, the bicyclist. Oh, yeah. Has a Larry Bird jersey on, mm-hmm. right? So that's again, again the black and white. <laughs> right there, right? Bird versus Jordan, and the Celtics are the one of the hated rivals of the Knicks. And he's like, "Yeah, I live here." Well, they're going back and forth, and uh, the guy that played that bicyclist, he just lived on the block, and he just happened to be coming home, and he had a bicycle in his car, and it kind of worked. He did it in one take too. He just rode his bike over. You know, I guess they scuffed up the shoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that guy was like a natural. He even said something. There was, a, I guess, an urban myth that Larry Bird actually gave him that jersey. And then Spike Lee was going back and forth on this 20 year reunion of the movie. He's like, no, I gave I gave it for wardrobe. I gave you the jersey. And he goes, well, crazy enough. He's like, my sister dated Larry Bird. Or something like that. And so I thought that he gave it to me. I'm like, what? What is this? It was so coincidental. Huh. It was kind of wild that that, <laughs> that that all happened. It all just kind of came together. And, um, you know, filming the scene, and there are a lot of extras, obviously, and they're all from right there in, in uh-huh. Sky, which was a great boon for the uh, community there. And I was watching. They actually threw a block party one day. Yes. They had a big party. They were giving out hats and shirts and doing the right thing. And, uh, all the stars, Spike Lee was there and all the stars were there. And it was a really nice thing. And they had to be extra cautious. I mean, there was parts of the borough there that were, you know, not safe. So like I said, extra security. And you know, what's crazy is there's so much tension in this movie, the racial tension, racial tension. I saw the one part that um, Richard Edson that played Vito, he said, the nation of Islam was like security for a good part of this. And he said, I was saying hello to these guys like every day. I could not get a, <laughs> I couldn't get a hello. They were like so oh, yeah. focused the entire oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. The FOI, they, the, the FOI, they, they're serious. Fruits of Islam. Yeah. yeah those, those guys, I've, I've seen them in, in various instances as well. You won't get a smile out of them. <laughs> yeah. They're like militant folk, military, like almost focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spike Lee hired a lot of black folks for a lot of the different roles, different jobs around the film, catering, um, even tried to get a lot of the union folks to make sure that there were a lot of black folks working on the set and everything like that. And John Turturro said there was this one woman that was a caterer and <laughs> she kept refusing to, to like serve him, even a glass of water because she kind of thought his character was like how he was really was. And he had to really convince her that no one playing, I'm playing a role. Here. <laughs> oh, He's that good of an actor. I mean, John yeah. Turturro is one of yeah. the best ever. <laughs> he was very convincing in that role, but he's definitely not that person. <laughs> and, and Roger G. Smith said that the role of Smiley, there was a scene in the, the big fight, the fight scene that be, before Raider Rahim was killed. He, he actually spit on, uh, and I, th- I think it was, it must have been Danny Ayo's son that was stumped that one. He actually spit on him. And 
they didn't, he didn't know what was coming. And he goes, that caused a lot of mayhem. Like he was totally into the character and he, he actually spit, you slow it down. You see, he literally spit on the guy and they was like, whoa, whoa. And all of, he said, that was real fighting that was starting to happen there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Spike Lee was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there were, there were some instances, obviously when you have, and literally it was hot. Hey, Amen. They're, they're filming in the middle of summer. Yeah. And, and, and you're in character. And there's tensions. So yeah. People, yeah. Are, yeah, people are naturally aggravated when they're, yeah. when they're over when they're hot and they like get to the point where they're almost overheating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read but, that uh, Spike Lee got the inspiration for this from watching a Twilight Zone episode about how the rising heat index or, or in the in the story caused more murders. <laughs> I, I saw that too. Day. Yeah. 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 The statistics prove that on the hotter days, murder rates go up. Oh no, that's definitely yeah, it is definitely I yeah, that's definitely true. Even like <laughs> it's my old neighborhood, but like you know, the winter time it's all nice and calm. I mean, even when it's freezing outside, you don't see many people. But as soon as it gets hot, that's when everybody wants wants to fight or you know whatever. Yeah, summertime is always the worst time. It's so crucial sometimes to have activities and things for people to do because they're frustrated already from being hot. <laughs> yeah. You know? Even like in the, in the movie, they were cracking open the, the fire hydrant to cool off. You know, I've seen that in my, my cousin's neighborhood in Jersey City. They used to do it all the time. But here comes the police, you know. I mean, of course, they're they're doing what they're supposed to do. Their job is to make sure that they're not playing with the hydrant. So they just shut it off. But, you know, that was one thing that they were trying to do to keep cool, but mm-hmm. couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I mean, did you enjoy the music? Primarily, it was really a lot of fight to power over and over again. But any other music catch your ear? I mean, like, I know the score itself has a lot of jazzy type undertones to them. So I always liked how Spike scores with the jazz, jazzy undertones. So it's very soothing and relaxing. There was a reggae song, something like... You can't stand the heat when they were showing, I think, Rosie putting her face in the water and going yeah. down. There's someone from Guy. There's something from. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, the songs that play were good. Yeah, there yeah. was good. There was good soundtrack. You know, they did bring in Branford Marsalis to do yeah. some of the music as well. Yeah. That's my man right there. <laughs> Lord, what were some of the things that you guys? Maybe disliked. I know that we kind of hinted on a few things. You know, Dinah, right? You said something about like just Radio Raheem's character in general. Yeah. Um, um, but aside from that, this is something read about in some of the reviews that Rosie Perez was very uncomfortable doing that nude scene. And so she felt kind of exploitative. And other people have had the criticism that there aren't enough women in this story, even though Mother Sister's there and Jade is part of the story. and um, Tina's part of the story. I think I see the point from a filmmaker's perspective, but uh, that was something like, yeah, she says that she they don't show her face in that one scene with, with, when she's naked because she's crying in it. But is that really worth it then? Right. <laughs> you don't need to have your actress doing this. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can you can do this other ways. I mean, not that Spike Lee has forgotten more about film than I'll ever know, but it just seems like 
that was a little unnecessary. Yeah, sometimes we can get a double. Yeah, yeah, or even not even do it. I mean, or not do it. Seems right. gratuitous. <laughs> right. I, I mean, like I said, I love the music. I almost wish they would have showed a little bit more of the depth of Public Enemy. I mean, Fight the Power was an amazing anthem. Maybe they could have put a track or two on Radio Raheem's box from like "It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back," something like "Bring the Noise" or you know one of those songs or "Countdown to Armageddon" or you know something like that. You know, just kind of give it a little bit more depth because it got a little bit tiresome um, just to kind of hear that over and over again. I mean, even they did play a different few different like remix cuts and stuff, but still, it's like same song, <laughs> like. <Right. laughs> Like Radio Raheem at the single of Fight the Power. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Like one tape. What? For real. That's all I got. Yeah. I didn't like the, the scene with uh, Ahmed going off on the mayor, the mayor, like just flat out cussing them out. You're drunk, cursing them. You know, and I'm like, I mean, and, and I know it happens, but again, I guess it's just people riled up with emotions, but yeah, it was uncomfortable for me to see. Along with Raheem, like you said, Boogie, with uh, in a way he spoke to the Korean convenience store folks. Right. Yeah, I think like I, I handed on this when we were talking pre-recording. Like, I think it's not even necessarily that I dislike, but I think that one thing about the movie is the the language is very harsh, so it kind of limits the audience. Um, you have to really go into it with an open mind because if you don't you know, some of the language might turn you off and you might miss the message of what, you know, Spike was trying to convey. And like I said, it's not necessarily a dislike. It's more so uh, an observation per se, but he definitely um, kept it raw. <laughs> yeah, there was the one scene where they're, they're just throwing out every racial epithet that could be derogatory towards Blacks, towards Italians, coupled towards Koreans, to, towards Jews. It was just like, throwing it all out there and it, you're taken aback by it. And uh, we discussed a little bit pre-recording too, where at first you're like, how do I react to that? It's just so mind blowing. But again, Spike Lee has a way of, of, like I said, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. People call it all these nasty things. People use it in the vernacular, unfortunately, and throw it out there on the table. You know, these are names. This is, this is what you guys are saying. This is what you guys are saying. And then, Words have uh, consequences and, and they're hurtful, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. It kind of goes back to like, it was one of the things that we mentioned when we were talking about um, Star Wars. We were talking about Star Wars. We were talking about how in the, in the community, you know, you have a bit of everybody there and they're all in the same environment. Everybody's kind of dealing with the same struggle, the same situation, and then compounded with the heat wave on top of it, but you're all there together. You're not going anywhere. There's no escaping to go out of it. So you're all there together. So you kind of have to figure out how to deal with one another, you know, in, in, in a sense, like there's a community, like can't put one against the other when you're all basically in the same situation. You're all there. <laughs> mm -hmm. You all have to deal with the heat. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <And> each other. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody needs some ice cubes. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I guess it's time now to wrap it up and uh, do our regular rating. And I think this is no no brainer here, but go around the around the room here. Bring that funky flick back. Bring that funky flick back. Or leave it in the vault. What do you say, Boogie? Bring that funky flick back. Very poignant, very relevant. Easily can make this today. Same situations exist in that movie that are existing right now. So by all means, bring that funky flick back. Done all right? Bring that funky flick back. It could have been made yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's so relevant and fresh now as it was in 1989. Not all this is a good thing. We're yeah. still dealing with this, these these racial tensions and and all that. Yeah, uh, definitely bring that funky flick back. It's a it's all time classic. It's very thought provoking. It's poignant, relevant, and uh, again, I almost think it should be like required watching for a lot of folks. Yeah. Because again, it brings brings these topics out to the table, deep seated racism and the uh, unfortunate consequences it can have. Did you yeah. mention on, on recording that you had Ethan watch this with you? Yeah, yeah. So my son did watch it with me. He's seventeen, and kind of the boogie's point. It's like unfortunately, like you got to wait till a certain age because to hear that language and to see some of that. But yeah, he he thought it was an excellent movie, and uh, we've been. <laughs> We've been talking about it for a few days now since then, because I, I kind of just quiz. What do you think about this? We like kind of the debate topics we have and we've been going back and forth. Like I'm asking him, do you think Sal was racist? And he kind of wavered back and forth. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, well, what about this? What about that? And I kind of make him think, yeah, you know what? He really was. Where does Pino get it from? You know, stuff like that. What, you know, we, we went through the different topics, so. To the point where my wife's kind of <laughs> tired of hearing about the movie. <laughs> are we talking about this movie? Like, yes, we are because. It's, it's awesome. yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, Spike, Spike's a genius. Uh, he did an amazing job. Yeah. It's amazing. He was thirty-two and he made this film. This is his third film. When I was thirty-two, I wasn't making anything important. <laughs> yeah. He used a lot of the same cast from School Days, which he had done just prior. Ossie Davis yeah. was in that. A lot of other guys were in that as well. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito was Dean Big Brother Almighty, <laughs> which is actually my name, and which is actually what Siri calls me on my phone. <laughs> well, Spike said that they have to kind of, they filmed School Days, I think, down in Atlanta, much more laid back, filming it. And they said, doing this in Bed-Stuy, they had to really be on point on the guard because you never know. There were some people that come on the set and they had to really vet them out. Like, are yeah. you part of, are you really an extra? So people, everybody wanted a piece of this. And then you don't know if it's a underbelly of a undesirable element, just trying to get in there or trying to get close to Spike Lee. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. They had to have some pretty tight security right there in Brooklyn. Absolutely. So, yeah. It was amazing that they did it right there, right in the street. So some folks are complaining that some parks were closed and stuff like that. Its budget was $6 million and it did 37.3 million. So quite yeah. profitable. It did really well. Yeah. It, yeah. it blew the box office open and it dropped and everybody was talking about it. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> yeah. Not many commercial films are this thought provoking and this relevant and vital to the public discourse. <laughs> so shout out to Spike Lee. Yeah. And I think once the, the, um, once Public Enemy dropped the video fight the power, 
it really took off. <laughs> really did. A really great video too. Yeah. Hey, it's super everything was revolutionary about it. You haven't seen that type of racism portrayed and then the police brutality. Even the public enemy song, I mean, flat out declaring that Elvis and John Wayne were racists. Very controversial at the time. Again, thought provoking. Yeah. I love the line, most of my heroes don't appear on no stamps. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. I don't even know at what point in history first black person appeared on a stamp, but it was way, way overdue. I mean, the fact that MLK Day didn't start until 1986. Right, after heavy petitioning too. As an observed holiday. And it's like, yeah. why did that take so long? You know, there's so many, so many things where black culture is playing catch up. Juneteenth just finally becoming recognized right holiday as well and it's literally existed since it <laughs> was abolished right. and it just really got it just really got recognized as a national holiday yeah even the whole premise about why it was celebrated is like wow <laughs> you know but yeah right definitely playing catch up i just read that spike lee directed the videos for fight to power what if i knew that mm-hmm and Jermaine Dupri was in it. <laughs> yeah. I'd now have to go back and look and find him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great video, though. Great video. I think for uh, for many years, though, I know they used to do the the, the top hip-hop songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And Fight the Power for a while had a stretch where they were coming at number one, the number one hip-hop song of all time, just because of the the relevancy of the song and what it stood for at the time. It was just so impactful to to the culture. And it would always come in at number one. I forgot who used to do the countdown. I don't remember if it was MTV or VH1. But one of them used to do the countdown and it would always come in at number one. It's not for, you know, making you want to get up and really dance. It's just kind of like, wow. <laughs> no, you don't <laughs> want to a, dance. You want to march. <laughs> it's, it's not a party. Take the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Not like can't do nothing for you, man. If I'm <laughs> Hip Hop Movie Club is produced by your HHMCs, JB, Boogie, and Dino Wright. Theme music by Boogie. Special thanks, as always, to Susan, Tawanda, and Alice. Check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Hip Hop Movie Club. On the next episode of the Hip Hop Movie Club podcast, your HHMCs review Above the Rim, Tupac Shakur. It drops in two weeks. Subscribe today in your favorite podcast app and you won't miss it. Shout out to your listeners and special shout out to our Paisan, Ray Freshing. Thanks for your support and that sweet five-star review. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, don't hate, liberate.